Thank you and good evening. Uh, welcome everyone to the uh, first meeting of the Milton Select Board during the 2023 calendar year. And happy new year to all. I'm Arthur Doyle serving as this year's chair and the other members of the Select Board are present tonight. Vice Chair Silas, would you introduce yourself? Thank you, Arthur. My name is Mike Silas. I'm the Vice Chair this year. Mr. Wells. Good evening, Richard Wells, Secretary. Ms. Bradley. Good evening, Aaron Bradley, member. Roxanne. Uh, good evening, Roxanne Musto, member. And our town administrator. Hi, Nicholas Milano, town administrator. And our executive assistant. Hi, Lindy Napoli. Thank you. Um, Mike, as vice chair, uh, should I have to excuse myself at any point during the meeting for reasons known to you and I? I'll call upon you, okay? Okay. Thank you. On July 16th, 2022, Governor Baker signed into law an act relative to extending certain state of emergency accommodations, one of which is occurring tonight, which among other things, extends the expiration of the provisions pertaining to the open meeting law to March 31, 2023. The act does not make any new changes to the open meeting law other than extending the expiration date of the temporary provisions regarding remote meetings from July 15, 2022 to March 31, 2023. Under this provision, all votes will be taken by roll call. Would everybody uh, please join in the Pledge of Allegiance? I pledge allegiance, pledge allegiance to, to the, the flag, flag of the United, United States, States of America, America. Into the and to the republic for which it stands, stands, one nation, one nation, nation under God, God indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Let's turn to item three on the agenda, public comment. Uh, just to be fresher to the effect that uh, public comment is a uh, 15 minute set aside with any one individual having up to uh, three minutes uh, to speak. And um, we ask that each of them cite their name and give their address in the town. Uh, the first hand is that of John David Corey. Uh, could you please promote John David Uh, good evening. Good evening. Welcome back. Uh, thank you very much, John David Corey, 1452 Canton Avenue uh, in Milton. And I just wanted to take a moment to um, just talk about uh, the traffic calming around town. Um, I know we have the traffic mitigation report, and I'm still hoping that that um, report and the recommendations were on a robust plan to implement those and really be, make it a priority in the town. I mean, I know there are a lot of divisive things in the town, but I just don't see, uh, I see the traffic issues just cutting through this town. And I just, it just, it's chopping up neighborhoods and it really affects everybody's quality of life. 
Uh, so I would just like to stress that the traffic calming mitigation items uh, all about town are, are, are critical items, uh, specifically Randolph Avenue. And again, I commend um, uh, uh, Mr. Milano's uh, e uh, letter to the DOT, uh, very strongly worded uh, back in, um, it was actually back in, geez, I don't have, I have it here. Uh, the letter was, the time is moving. It was November the 7th, the letter was issued to the DOT uh, and it asked for a 30 day um, deadline. And actually the DOT was pretty good because they did respond within the 30 days and it was actually Michael Dowd, who was an extremely capable person at the DOT. It can really actually help the town quite a bit. Um, from my understanding is that the select board did not follow up with their own letter and also a deadline. So now I just like to say is that the deadline was December the 6th or 7th around there. And now we're January the 3rd. So here we are one month. And as far as um, I know, or as far as the residents know, nothing has happened. So I would just like to remind the town uh, select board and the town administrator to really keep the feet Keep them keep the feet fi the fire going on the DOT, and perhaps we could put another deadline down um, with some uh, immediate um, uh, propositions as far as traffic signal timing. I mean, simple things just to slow the cars down and allow people to get out of their driveways with some spaces. I mean, we have the hillside street light and we have the Reed Street light already in place. We can use those to our benefit. So just please keep the DOT. Uh, feet to the fire, and um, thank you for your time on this. I know it's um, not an easy solution, anything here, but um, we can pick at it and we can get there. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Thank you. Uh, the next hand that was raised in order in which they were raised is that of Alex Hasher. Hi, can you hear me? Alex, we can. Welcome back to you. Oh, thank you. Uh, good evening. My name is Alex Hoshin. I'm a Milton resident residing at 134 and Hanton Avenue and also a board member of Sustainable Milton. And I want to thank you all for the opportunity to speak again tonight. <clears throat> I just wanted to briefly voice my support for Mr. Zulis's proposal to form a town committee to coordinate development, approval, and execution of a municipal climate action plan. Uh, which is, I think, uh, item 14 tonight. While it's true we have a lot of committees in Milton, that doesn't change the urgency of the need for this one. Massachusetts is legally committed to far-reaching changes to our energy, transportation, and building infrastructure in order to, to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions. And these changes are going to impact Milton significantly, whether we're prepared or not, and they're already in motion. They also present opportunities including significant funding for local projects and financial incentives for residents. And in many cases, such as with our community electricity aggregation program, the town needs to take action to enable residents to benefit from those opportunities. And we don't want to end up playing catch up, bearing the costs of the energy transition without the benefits. Climate change isn't a niche issue that should be left to a small group of volunteer activists. It's a lens through which almost every business as usual decision needs to be examined. 
And so a committee with members who also sit on the town's core leadership boards will be best positioned to ensure our plans are practical, beneficial, and well integrated into the town's operations. I think the committee charge that Mr. Zulis is, is proposing takes us in the right direction. And I hope that you will all um, on the select board engage constructively to craft a committee charge that sets Milton up for success, successful climate action. Again, thanks for your time and attention. That's yeah, all. Thank you for your comments. Uh, the next hand is that of Tucker Smith. Could we recognize Tucker, please? Tucker, you are on mute. There you go. No. Tucker, you are still muted. Right. Take two. Sorry. <laughs> uh, my name is Tucker Smith. Uh, my husband and I have owned a home at 1632 Canton Avenue since 1979. And I'm shocked when I do the math and find that that's 44 years. I am a sustainable Milton board member as well and long active in numerous town organizations, many of them environmental. I am grateful to Mr. Zulis for drafting a proposal to form a climate action planning committee and wholeheartedly support it. The need to mitigate climate change impacts caused by greenhouse gas emissions is urgent. We have tools in our kit, such as emergency, excuse me, community expertise, technology, legislation, incentives, and passion. Time is what we lack. Motivating me the most without question is that I am blessed to have two grandchildren under the age of three, leaving a legacy of a healthy, stable planet Earth to them and to all children everywhere, especially the most impacted frontline communities is my goal. I want to be able to tell them that Milton stepped up. We changed the way we built and retrofitted, traveled around and powered our town to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050 in accordance with Massachusetts general law. We changed our habits and put aside business as usual mindsets. I believe that the benefits of taking action will pay back financially, will safeguard public health and biodiversity, and will create infrastructure which we will long rely upon in the future. The responsibility for this cannot fall to sustainable Milton or to town staff as well, and the staff hardworking at Town Hall. Transparent, fair, collaborative climate and energy planning is best accomplished in the manner Mr. Zulis has proposed, and I respectfully urge Milton Select board members to agree. Thank you for your consideration tonight and the opportunity to speak. And thank you, and I should note for you and the others who submitted record written comments that they will be entered into the record as such. Thank uh, you. Next speaker, and I apologize if I don't pronounce your name correctly, I have a good friend named Randy Dykey, Randall Dykey, 
So I'm going to say Tracy Dyke Redmond, and you can correct me, Tracy, if I'm wrong. Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Tracy Dyke Redmond. I live at 9 Ellsworth Road, and I have been a resident of Milton for over 10 years. I'm also an active member of Sustainable Milton. I would like to support the proposal to form a Climate Action Planning Committee, and I am sincerely grateful to Mike Zulis for bringing this proposal to the Select Board. Climate change is a very real and immediate threat to our community, and we must work together to address it. Climate change is causing droughts and flooding, sea level rise, uh, and severe storms. Warmer winters brought on by climate change are lengthening the tick season and leading to increased potential for exposure to Lyme disease. Climate change is contributing to increased deer populations and the spread of invasive plant species. I'm concerned that my home, which is close to the Neponset River Marsh, will flood in the coming years. I worry that more extreme heat will exacerbate asthma experienced by members of my family. And I know that many people will be more severely impacted than my family will. I know this problem is too big to be addressed by individuals alone. We must work together to make any meaningful change. The time to act is now. Dozens of municipalities across the state are working on climate action plans. I urge Milton to join them so that together we can meet our state's goals for net zero emissions. I have been impressed and inspired by the dedication and hard work of people in this community to serve on committees and in town government. I hope we can draw on the many talents of our neighbors to help develop and implement a meaningful climate action plan. Thank you so much for your consideration. And thank you. Seeing no further hands, uh, let us turn now to agenda item number four for discussion approval. Town Clerk Susan Galvin to discuss the Votes Act, changes for local elections, including options for vote by mail and in-person early voting. Request for an article to accept the provisions of Massachusetts General Law, Chapter 4, Section 110A. Let me see if Susan is. Susan, you are recognized. Welcome. Good evening. How are you? Thank you for having me. Happy New Year to all. Um, so thank you very much for having me um, attend your meeting. Purpose of me attending is to discuss and provide you with, uh, you know, just a brief update as to um, the Votes Act and how it affects our local elections. Um, <clears throat> so, um, the Votes Act, although there's many um, pieces to it, the, the parts that I'm going to discuss with you folks today are um, changes in the voter registration deadline. It is now 10 days before um, the election, it used to be 20 days. Um, it mandates that voting by mail is required for all elections, including our local elections. Um, it makes voting in person and not mandated um, for local elections, but it is something that the town could opt in provided that the Board of Registrars or two members of the Board of Registrars made a recommendation to the select board and then subsequently the select board take a vote to um, include voting by mail. I mean, voting in person, I'm sorry about that. 
Um, so those are the three main topics that um, I'd like to discuss with, with you folks um, regarding the, vote, the VOTES Act. Um, first, vote by mail. Um, as most of you are probably familiar, as we've been using it um, for many elections now, um, it provides voters the option to request a ballot to be mailed to them. Um, they don't need an excuse, whereas with absentee, you do need an excuse. And um, like I said, the select board has the, um, it, it's required, but the select board does have the option to opt out. Um, the, if the select board did decide to opt out, a vote would have to occur 45 days before our election, which is April 25th, which is a Tuesday. Um, in person, again, provides the voters with the option to vote in person. Um, those of you that have taken advantage of in-person voting for um, some of the primaries and state elections, um, it is required that we have a scheduled set up. It's conducted here at Town Hall downstairs, and it's usually for um, in a primary or for a local election, it would be a six day um, venture. And for a state federal election, it's a 12 day venture. Um, so I'm not coming for to, to you folks for any, um, any action on your part, unless you so uh, deem fit. I'm not recommending any actions, um, but I would like to just briefly touch upon um, the in-person voting. Um, so in-person voting, I think we could do a, a parallel as to voter turnout for say the most recent state primary and our local elections. Typically our local elections, um, voter turnout can range anywhere from 12% um, to at a high, and there's been very few highs um, of 45%. Um, so the cost for an in-person um, voter turnout, um, uh, bleh, excuse me, um, in-person early vote is approximately 11,500. Um, that is for staffing. Um, and it's it considering the amount of people that took advantage of that, it's pretty staggering. So for state primary, we had um, out of 20,588 registered voters, 347 uh, voters participate in person. Um, for mail-in, however, we did have 1,826. So to me, it's it's clear um, that the bigger draw is the mail-in voting. Um, and that would be something that um, we would more than likely want to offer to our voters. Um, rather than me give a list of stats and everything, maybe you folks might have questions or um, are interested in certain areas um, that I can 
provide you with information. Thanks, Sue. Why don't we take them um, individually? Um, uh, first, uh, addressing the uh, Saturday um, matter. Uh, oh, sure. Sure, I can, I can uh, touch upon that too, um, which is Mass General Law Chapter 41, Section 110A. Um, so currently our, our town bylaws state that our town elections are on Tuesdays. Um, being on a Tuesday, if you count back 10 days, any last day to register to vote would fall on a Saturday. Um, the legislation offers this um, caveat that if the town accepts this, instead of having to be open on a Saturday um, from the hours of nine to five, we could extend our hours on a Friday and be open our regular course of hours plus extend it till five. Um, thus allowing my staff and myself the time to focus on the weekend preparing for our election. Um, it's additional costs to man um, in the past because of so many options to, to voters to register. There's automatic voter registration anytime you do anything at um, mass registry, as well as you can register online. Um, we don't see in-person voter registration um, as, a, as a high um, on that last day to register to vote. As a matter of fact, the last few years, um, we've maybe had one or two people come in. So to justify having a full complement of staff and we would be limited to working in the office as opposed to preparing for an election, which requires us using our election room and everything. Um, I think it, it would be more beneficial for us to um, at least present to town meeting and see if they would be willing to accept this stature and um, allow for us to um, change the last day to register to vote for town elections um, to the Friday before. It seems to make sense to start with this one since this does apply to the upcoming special town meeting to want and um, you'll be drafting as uh, noted earlier the exact wording for the warrant article, sir? Correct. I'm working with uh, town council. Right. Uh, so um, why don't we open it for discussion? Any questions uh, for Madam Clerk? Any comments? We have a proposed motion. Uh, I see uh, Mr. Zulis and I see Ms. Musto. Mr. Zulis? Thank you, Mr. Chair. So just to clarify, on that Saturday, 10 days before, you're working on the election anyway, right? You're, you've got you've got a lot to do other than the Absolutely. We're, we're in the office. So um, But you're you know, doing other things. You're doing other things. Correct. So, I mean, would we be there? Absolutely would be there. Um, but it would allow us or give us the freedom to to do the work at hand preparing for the election for Election Day. And you'd, you'd take care of that registration with the additional hours on the Friday, right? Correct. Yeah. Thank you, Sue. Ms. Pasto. Um, hi, Sue. Just a quick question. Um, first, of all, I think your your office is doing a terrific job. 
So I want to thank you for that. Uh, just a quick question on the cost of the mail-in voting, and do you have it in your budget to do, or will you need to come back for additional funds? So when um, when I was preparing the budget, I did um, plan for that because there was, although it hadn't been accepted, there was, um, you know, a great momentum that this was going to take place. So I did plan for it, um, and so I don't anticipate having to come back. Um, but I don't think I will be giving money back um, at the end of the year. But maybe you never know. Thank you. Always welcomed. <laughs> yes. Mr. Wells. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Good evening, Madam Clerk. How are you? Happy New Year. So my, my only question is, you know, I've been in your office many times, so I understand the operation. What is it that we could do here? This is really on you. What could we do to make this easier? Is there, is there a part of this that I, I understand the parts that are clearly, the mail-in is clearly the way of the future. You know, it's much different than people, as you just articulated, people giving a reason for why they want it. What a, I, I want to do what that was going to make it easier for you and your staff. So, um, you know, we've muddled through and I think developed a very good system for um, mail-in and in-person. Um, so as far as systems, I think we're, we're in a good spot. It's a very labor-intensive um, process with mail-ins. Um, we have, well, for, for instance, for our town election, we have uh, 10 ballots that we will be sending out. And, you know, it requires a very thoughtful approach in, in mailing those out. Um, it can't be just done willy-nilly because you want to ensure that the voters are getting the right ballots, that it's getting to the voters that um, have requested it, and that we're, you know, dotting our I's and, and crossing our T's. So it is very labor intensive. Um, and there's a very short turnaround time, for example, um, the last day that I can put in for our ballots to be printed is, um, I believe, like March 26, um, which is a month before our um, election. So it takes about a week for the printer to get it back to us. So you're talking about April 6th, thereabouts, that we will be getting the ballots in. Now, now as I said, it's labor intensive. So if you have, you know, upwards of, and I'm anticipating somewhere around 3,000 people that may request um, ballots, you have a very short window to get it right and get it out there to those people. So, um, you know, to get the word out, apply early uh, for those ballots, make a clear decision whether you're going to vote early um, by mail or whether you're going to go to the ballot, ballot day. Um, that's extremely helpful to us. Um, but, you know, I, th I think we're in pretty good shape and I appreciate, you know, the support of all of you folks. You know, y'all at different times pop in and, and uh, ask if there's anything we can do to help and it's greatly appreciated. It goes a long way. So one quick follow-up on that on that note. We're going to, I think you're going to need a bigger mailbox on the side of town hall. Yeah. <laughs> that's my, from what I've watched of that, I think you're going to need a bigger mailbox than what you have. So. And stronger. Maybe Mr. Uh, yes. I got to stop lifting weights. Maybe Mr. Ritchie's office can help you with that. So, <laughs> thanks very Madam much. Madam Clerk, Thank if you. we understand correctly, 
Uh, for Tuesday elections, the voter registration deadline will be on Saturday unless the town accepts Massachusetts General Laws Chapter 41, Section 110A. And your recommendation to the select board is that we do so. Correct. That correct? Okay. correct. That will be the warrant article. So we have a motion. Mr. Uh, Chair, move that we approve them. Uh, I do this right. I may have the wrong thing. I'm reading the wrong one. So I'm not sure I have it. I want to make the motion quote Lynn exactly what he said. Um, I want to move to approve that under Section 10A. Okay. So what it would be the additional language. If I could help Richard, um, go ahead, Arthur. Wording for you would be to move to approve the warrant article to accept the provisions of Massachusetts General Laws, Chapter 41, Section 110A. I just found it. That is it. That's my motion, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Mr. Wells. Is there a second? I'll second. Thank you, Ms. Musto. Any further discussion? Seeing none by roll call vote, Mr. Zolas? Yes. Mr. Wells? Yes. Ms. Bradley? Yes. Ms. Musto? Yes. And Mr. Doyle? Yes. Ah, uh, Sue smiled. So. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well deserved. You did a good job. <laughs> uh, now let's. Uh, go back to the other matter that you have at hand, and that is that the Board of Registrars uh, did not make a recommendation uh, to the select board for um, in-person um, early voting, correct? Correct. They are not making a, a recommendation at this time. So the question is, uh, Do we need to uh, support that or will it stand without any action by the select board as long as the registrars do not change their current position? Uh, correct. As long as the um, board of registrars, at least two members of the board of registrars, do not um, request of the select board um, to consider voting to have uh, voting in person then um, there is no action necessary for the select board. Thank you. And that is your recommendation? Correct. Thank you. Um, any further follow-up or questions for our town clerk on that topic? I'd, I'd just like to uh, uh, add a, an addendum. That's a double add, if I may, uh, to say I, I did this on a voluntary basis once upon a time for you, Sue, and I concur with the recommendation. Thank you. Based upon that experience, if it's at all helpful. So Mr. Chair, there's no need for us to take any action at this point. There is none, according to the uh, recommendation of our town clerk. Thank you. Okay. All right. Susan, thank you for being with us. Thank you, always wonderful to see you all. Nice and job. I hope you have a wonderful new year. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Go Thank home. You. I, I will. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. That is her home interest. <laughs> she lives there so much. We ought to get a quarter board over her door. Home sweet home. She's a marvelous, marvelous uh, servant of the community. Item number five. Discussion approval, wetland replication activity on town-owned land located on Canton Avenue 
Map K, Part 2, Block 1A, related to the Winter Valley Residences Building 6 project. And we should have uh, two speakers with us for this item. Uh, one is uh, Ned Corcoran, who is representing Winter Valley, and the other is uh, Conservation Commission Chair uh, John Cannon. Are either of them with us? Here is Mr. Corcoran. And um, Mr. Corcoran has agreed to uh, give a, a succinct outline. Uh, there will be one map, although you received uh, much more in the way of material for this, just to walk us through the chronology and get us to where uh, John can then pick up. So, Ned, welcome. Thank you. Um, uh, Mr. Chair, members of the board, um, happy to be back. Ned Corcoran representing Winter Valley. Um, I was before you on November 1st, gave you a preview of the action that we were hoping that you would take tonight. Gave you an overview of the process sitting in front of Winter Valley to go before the Planning Board and the Conservation Commission for two separate approvals relative to the development of Building 6 uh, at the upper end of the uh, of the campus at Winter Valley. Uh, as I, as you may recall, the Building 6 is being developed on a portion of the property that has an isolated wetland, um, and it's really going to plop right down on that location. Winter Valley's team worked with Steve Ivis, who's the town's conservation agent, to identify appropriate locations for a wetland replication area. With Mr. Ivis's suggestion and our follow-up that we proposed replicating uh, on town-owned property next to a wetland on that property, immediately <coughs> next to the site entry uh, from Canton Avenue. We went before we laid it out to you, as I said on November 1. I know one of the concerns that was raised that evening was whether the town engineer had an opportunity to review and approve. Uh, the work. Uh, we spent a significant amount of time with Marina Fernandez and Chase Berkeley uh, and received a, uh, a memo blessing uh, this project as an improvement for the, um, to, for the town to enhance water quality, stormwater management, flood storage uh, associated with, with, uh, with stormwater that comes off of uh, Canton Avenue as well as off of the Winter Valley site. We went, we started a hearing with the planning board on December 8th, was continued to December 21. Planning board voted to approve site plan approval. Condition of that was that the developer, the Winter Valley would maintain um, that this wetland area uh, on behalf of the town in perpetuity in accordance with the approvals uh, given. We went before the conservation commission on December, um, uh, 14, um, there was a site, a joint, excuse me, December 8th, there was a joint uh, site walk of um, both the planning board and the Conservation Commission on Saturday morning, December 10, and we went back before the Conservation Commission last Wednesday evening, December 21, and the Conservation Commission voted to issue an order of conditions approving the wetland replication area as an appropriate mitigation for uh, the impacts of the wetlands on the site. And so we're back before this board with a request to approve a memorandum of agreement between Winter Valley 
and the and uh, the select board as the owner entity of the uh, uh, select board owns the property. So it's a the property is in the name of the select board and owns it on behalf of the town. Uh, we, we request essentially a simple form of a license to allow uh, our contractor to go onto the town's property to construct the wetland replication area and to perform uh, maintenance in the future uh, and uh, enter into an, a simple memorandum, memorandum of agreement uh, acknowledging that. Uh, I provided uh, Nick Milano and Kevin Freitag a draft of, an, of a simple MOU this morning. Um, I know that Kevin uh, was reviewing it. Um, and with that, I'll stop and open it to questions uh, or comments uh, from the board. Oh, if I may, uh, Mr. Corcoran, could we put up that one map that would show the complex position where sure. Building 6 is going to be located um, and where the wetland replication on town property would be located? If you, I can share my screen and show it, or unless Nick has access to it, I did forward it to Nick earlier. Whatever is easier. You can go ahead and share. Ned, thank you. You all see that? Not yet. Here we go. Okay. Um, minimize this. Okay. Um, so, Winter Valley, as as you all know, is is catty corner really to Town Hall. Uh, across the across Canton Avenue and just down the street, it is a 24 and a half acre parcel uh, that fronts on Canton Avenue with a main entry in from Canton Avenue. It also has frontage on High, on Highland Street. Um, there are five residential buildings currently on the site, and Winter Valley hosts and provides um, affordable senior and housing for seniors and persons with disabilities currently for 100 and with 160 units. Um, zoning was enacted, was modified in May of 2021 to authorize the development of building six, which would add an additional 36 affordable uh, units. Building five is located here on the site. Building six would go here. There's a further area, about four acres in the rear that will remain undeveloped, but building six would go here. And there is a wetland right in the middle of where that building would go. The idea was to move the, uh, move a, a, the wetland and develop here. I have one other slide I'll quickly show. This is the town-owned property at the corner of Highland and Canton Avenue. This is the site driveway into the site. This is an existing wetland, touches a little bit onto the, the Winter Valley property, but it's substantially all of the wetland is located on the town's property. The plan is to develop a, an additional wetland area right here that would receive runoff from Canton Avenue from the, the Winter Valley site, treat it before it got into this wetland would improve water quality uh, and as, as this area discharges down through Wendell Park to Pine Tree Brook. Um, it was, it was, as I said, it was recommended by Steve Ivis, the town's conservation agent. Um, it was approved by the town engineer and uh, DPW director 
and approved both by the planning board and the uh, conservation commission through the hearing processes that took place with both boards in the last couple of months. And so um, we would we request that uh, this that this board uh, approve authorize the work to be done that was that was approved by the conservation commission and and approve the work to be done in accordance with the conditions that were laid out in that order of conditions approved by the conservation commission. Thank you. Are there any questions from any board members for Mr. Corcoran before we go to Mr. Kiernan? Mr. Zulis. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Ned, just to confirm, this isn't going to increase the discharge down into the Wendell Park area, is it? No, it, there's all, all of all of the, the drainage that comes off of here now discharges ultimately into that Wendell Park. What it will do is it will capture it and uh, hold it better. We provide better uh, uh, flood storage uh, in this area. It will also improve the quality of the water that flows into the town's wetland um, because it'll be captured and clean before it goes in and that will enhance water quality as it goes through Wendell Park and down to Pine Tree Brook. Thank you, Ned. So, you know, other questions, uh, Mr. Cannon, welcome. And can we turn to you, please? Oh, yes, indeed. Thank you very much. And I can stay sharing. I can stay. You want to keep the map up, John, for a while? or? Uh, sure. Why don't you keep it up for a, a moment? Because I only need to make two points. Uh, Ned has given a very articulate and uh, thorough presentation of the background and the significance of this request to the select board. Uh, I'd like to emphasize two points. One is that by taking a portion of an isolated wet, wetland uh, further away from Canton Avenue, where the Building 6 is going to be located, um, the applicant, which is Winter Valley, had to replicate the wetlands anyway. And we were uh, acutely aware of that fact. The reason that uh, we saw an incremental benefit here to placing the replication here is because uh, there is a dire need to clean that water and the wetland acts like a sponge it it filters the water and that needed to be done uh, which is the second point and that is about four to five years ago uh, the conservation commission approved uh, the town's application uh, upon receipt of a state grant to put filter trees on wendell park the reason for putting them on Wendell Park was to essentially clean the street runoff uh, because that the, the stream that goes down the center of Wendell Park uh, was, was high in E. coli. So when we looked at it, we said, well, that's really interesting because we're going to clean what's on the street, but how far back uh, upstream does that E. coli go? And uh, at the time, uh, uh, the, the presenter was Hillary Waite from the, the environmental coordinator said, well, actually, it's on the other side of Canton Avenue, which is exactly where we're looking. That needs to have treatment right there. So this is perhaps serendipity um, and perhaps the good thinking of uh, uh, Steve Ivis and, and uh, with the support of uh, the Winter Valley folks to put the replication area here. So we asked them, what's the cost of simply replicating the wetland, which you have to do anyway. And it's about half the price of putting the, the, uh, the 
wetland replication here because it's not just a replication but it's a restoration of some of that area that's shown as blue hatching uh it's approximately uh, ninety four thousand dollars for the applicant to uh, restore and to replicate the wetland it would be approximately half that elsewhere so the town gets that benefit uh that is essentially being funded uh in part uh by the applicant so that's what garnered the support of the conservation commission uh it's an appropriate uh program it's in the right place it does the right thing it helps clean the the uh, contaminated water is and when i say contaminated it's not terribly high but it's it's higher than it should be uh, but this is uh, the right thing to do at the right time. So it has the full support of the Conservation Commission. And we'd ask the select board to uh, facilitate the uh, uh, granting of the license, I guess, uh, to allow us to move for, and they say us, the town, uh, 600 uh, Canton Avenue, Winter Valley, the Conservation Commission, the planning board, to allow us to go forward with, we think uh, it's, a, it's a good remedy for the situation. So we thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Are there any questions for Mr. Cannon? Uh, seeing none. I have one. Oh, sorry. Uh, Mr. Wells, you're recognized. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Chair Cannon, it's always a, um, it's one who understands a little bit of history about this town. It's always very informative when the chair of the Conservation Commission comes in here and articulate something that most people in this town have no clue or understanding of. So um, your, your um, description of this clearly to the layperson to makes it very understandable. And Mr. Chair, I'm ready to make a motion if that's okay with you. Are, are you all right with that? Yes, please. Okay. So I move to uh, approve the wetland. I just bent my glasses. All right, we're back into this. I hope to approve the wetland uh, replication activity on town-owned land located on Canton Avenue, at K Lot Two, Block One A, as an alpha, related to the Winter Valley Residences Building Six project, and request town council to draft legal agreements relative to this work and authorize the town administrator to sign on behalf of this board. Thank you, Mr. Wells. Is there a second to the motion? I'll second that. Thank you, Ms. Moster. It is moved and seconded. Is there any further discussion? Mr. Zulis, you recognized? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, just a question on, on the, the time sensitivity of this. The, the only issue I have with the motion is, is authorizing the town administrator to, town administrator to sign what I, 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 I think what I hear is to be a license and a memorandum of agreement. And since we haven't seen drafts, of those i would i would like to see drafts of those at least before authorizing the signing if there's if we have the time uh to to maybe see the drafts and and approve them and comment on them prior to our our next meeting so i guess the question for mr corcoran and mr kiernan um and perhaps mr milano is is that is uh, would we have the opportunity to see the license and the memorandum of agreement um prior to our next meeting and perhaps vote on them at the next meeting i think the rest of the motion is fine it's just since we haven't seen the drafts i'm a little hesitant to authorize uh the signing without having seen any of the drafts thank you mr chair if if i may um the answer to the question depends on when your next meeting is um the the we have a deadline 
for application for fun funding to HUD, the, the application has to be submitted by January by January 20. Uh, we know that the planning board's uh, site plan approval decision uh, becomes final on January 17. And we know that the order of conditions becomes final somewhere around January 10th. Um, so we would have until I think the, the, the 18th um, to wrap this piece of it up. Um, so my, my understanding is that you're meeting on the 18th. Uh, if that is in fact our next meeting, if, if we certainly would have time to get the agreement approved and signed uh, as part of the package that would get submitted to HUD um, on the 20th. Mr. Wells. Thank you, Mr. Chair. My question is really to Chair Cannon. John, do you think this, is there anything there that um, would warrant you not to have us vote this motion tonight? Is there anything that could come out of this and either the license? I mean, this is really a formality for us, but really the subject matter expert to me, and this is you, your committee. No, there's there's nothing that I can think of that would uh, stop that. I, I defer to Kevin Freitag on that issue, but uh, my view is that it it could be voted on uh, uh, subject to the approval of of the select board to the the actual language of the license. Would you be happy with that, Michael? Could you accept that? Or... Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, if we if we if we say uh, the whole motion as 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 you noted it, and then and then strike that last piece off, authorizing the town administrator to sign, and then just say subject to approval by the select board of the final agreements, and then we approve them. At least we have a chance to look at them. And then we approve them on the 18th. I think if that works for everyone, I think that'd be fine. I just like to get a chance to take a look at the license and the memorandum of agreement once we have the draft. That's all. So I'll amend that chair to, to I'll just add to my motion subject to uh final review by the board on january 18th how's that thank you mr wells Ms. musto is that agreeable to you yes yeah thank you Ms. musto any further comment by any members of the board seeing none roll call vote mr zulis yes mr wells yes Ms. bradley yes Ms. musto yes and mr doyle yes Thank you all very much. And uh, it's great to have you with us, John and Ed. Uh, excellent presentation. Thank you very much. Thank um, you all. Uh, good night and Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year. Well, we turn at this point in time to agenda item number six, discussion approval, special town meeting, February 13th, 2023. This will be the approval of the warrant articles. Uh, Identified as number one is accept the provisions of Massachusetts General Laws, Chapter 41, Section uh, 10A, and that has been accomplished. Um, second is select board change treasurer collector position from elected to appointed pursuant to Massachusetts General Law, Chapter 41, Section 1B. Mr. Milano, could I turn to you for this, please? Sure. Um... So, excuse me, we've drafted a, um, an article that has been shared with town council for review. It was in your packet. So as you alluded, um, the article would be to ask town meeting to accept, to vote um, 
to change the treasurer position from elected to appointed in accordance with this law, um, chapter 41, 1B. Um, if it is approved by the special town meeting, it would then be placed on the ballot for the annual town election to be voted um, at, on that day. Um, and then there are a couple of possible outcomes, which we discussed at the last meeting, but just to reiterate, um, obviously one outcome is that the special town meeting won't approve it, in which case it won't appear on the ballot. Now the eventuality is that the special town meeting does approve it, it goes on the ballot, but the question is not approved. In that case, a candidate who is elected treasurer at the town election would be elected treasurer and would serve a full term. If special town meeting does approve it, it goes on the ballot and it is approved at the annual town election by voters um, and a candidate is elected that day, um, the elected treasurer would serve until a permanent treasurer is appointed uh, by the appointing authority, which would be the town administrator as it is for others, um, other department heads here in Milton. Um, so those are the possible outcomes here. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention was that I, I pulled some data from the Division of Local Services just in preparation for meeting and discussing with the Warren Committee um, and refreshing some of the data that the town had used um, when it was discussed back in 2018. 47 cities and towns <laughs> of Massachusetts have elected treasurers um, out of 351. Um, 15 municipalities that have a population greater than 10,000 um, have elected treasurers, and that is out of 180 municipalities, 15 have elected. Um, of those 15, it's actually kind of interesting, just doing some research, um, that three others are marching along pretty much on the same path as us. Um, Holyoke, a city is considering um, a ballot question to go from elected to appointed. The town of Ludlow has a special town meeting um, next week to take up this question. And the town of Belmont is doing likewise at the end of the month. Um, so it's certainly a trend in municipal governance, um, shifting from elected to appointed. Um, so I just wanted to provide that background. As I noted at the beginning, uh, we drafted a, an article, it's in your packets and we provided it to um, the town council for review. Um, if you approve it tonight, we'll have them finalize that and um, transmit it over to the Warren Committee. Thank you very much, Mr. Milano. The floor is open. Mrs. Ulis, you're recognized. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I'll make the motion to approve a one article to change the treasurer collector position from elected to appointed pursuant to MGL chapter 41, section 1B. Is there a second to Mrs. Ulis? Motion. I will. I'll second that. Ms. Bunstow? I'm sorry. Uh, but I think your hand was raised. Uh, Mr. Wells, was that a second that you intended? It was, but Ms. Bunstow has it. That's fine. Okay. Sorry, Roxanne. I, I thought I didn't realize I was muted. Sorry. <laughs> it has moved and seconded. Any further discussion? Seeing none, Mr. Zolas? Yes. Mr. Wells? Yes. Ms. Bradley? Yes. Ms. Masto? Yes. Mr. Doyle? Yes. Thank you. Move on to the next item, and this is. Uh, Purchase of Font Font Convent located at 930 Brook Road, Milton, Massachusetts. And uh, Mr. Milano, can we turn to you again, please? Sure. Um, so again, we've drafted a Warren article uh, related to this based on um, the town's past land acquisition articles. I'll note that um, we are certainly in the early stages of this process, um, but we're, we're taking a Warren article that's been used previously 
um, and we'll continue to, to update it as needed um, as we progress towards the town meeting. Um, the Warren article would authorize the, the select board to purchase the property um, in accordance to a purchase and sale agreement that will be um, negotiated uh, by the town and the congregations of the Sisters of St. Joseph, assuming we can get to terms with them. Um, I'll also note in terms of the purchase price, since that is being negotiated, um, the intention is for the town to have um, to fund it, to fund the purchase by borrowing, uh, by issuing debt, which would then be paid by a debt exclusion, which will cr trigger a ballot question. Um, so the recommendation that the Warren Committee would formulate would um, likely include a reference to a debt exclusion um, as part of this process. So it'd be a two-step process, um, kind of similar to the treasurer question, which would be town meeting would need to approve it by two thirds. Um, it would then go to um, the ballot for approval as a debt exclusion, which would allow the town to um, temporarily increase taxes on homeowners to pay for the debt service for the purchase, um, which as uh, the property was listed at $8 million, $8.5 million, excuse me. Um, and we've received a proposal from the Congregation of Sisters St. Joseph to sell the, to the, sell the convent and its property to the town and the select board is currently engaged in negotiations on that place. Thank you, Mr. Milano. Mr. Wells, you recognized? So two points, two questions. Um, one is, um, do you have some flexibility there in, in your negotiating on the dollar figure? Both up or down? By 10, my gut is it would tend to have, maybe perhaps have to go up, but um, I know that you're not alone in this. Um, and my second point is on the debt exclusion vote, I thought I thought that Mr. Um, Sean had said when he came in, he wanted to wait until, if we were able to acquire this, package the entire school project and go for one debt exclusion vote versus two. And either you might, maybe, um, I know Mike Zulis is on the committee, so maybe one of you can, can address that. Sure, so just to um, do a distinction here. So any, let's say the purchase price is what the sisters right, are listed right. at, which is eight and a half million dollars. For the town to purchase it and fund that purchase, we certainly don't have that money available to buy it outright. So we'd have to issue debt to do so. And even on a, if we extended that out to a 30 year term on a bond, we're talking about an increase on our debt service of upwards of half a million dollars at today's interest rates, probably closer to $600,000. So it's not a purchase that the town could fund through its regular budget because of that um, significant increase in debt service. So if the town were to purchase it, it would need, from our perspective, need to be a debt exclusion. Um, so that would be step one is buy it, borrow the money, have it be a debt exclusion, um, and we're paying that out over 20 years, 30 years. Step two would be design um, the project, and, and when it comes time to do the actual work, have that be done as a debt exclusion at a later date. So we're just talking about here is the purchase itself any design or actual construction would require future town meeting approval um and likely future debt exclusion approval as well um mr zulis feel free to i see any color commentary I see, I, there. No, I, get it. I see mike no i just said i'm i'm just thinking more strategically here that i think we want to be as out front you know open and outspoke out um articulate as much of this as we can because i think for all of us we want this to succeed in the, in the most efficient manners and like you can weigh in any more than that that's that, the only reason i even asked the question that was why i asked it. Yeah. If, if i may mr chair certainly 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I think you're right, Richard, uh, in, in the way you in the way you pose it. Um, uh, but the reality is we're not in a position uh, to know the figure for design and construction. And we won't know that we, we won't be in a position to know that for quite some time. There's going to have to be a lot of analysis done of the property and the building in order to come up with a design and construction plan and number other than just a kind of a general uh, idea about it. Uh, and so, and if we wait that long to try to come up with that, we'll probably lose out on the property. So that really necessitates going through the two-stage process that Nick, uh, that Nick uh, described. Are we talking about this being on this April's ballot then? Correct? I believe so. I believe okay. so. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Thank you, Nick. I just wanted to, um, Michael's description to the time, may, I understand it now. Fine. That's I'm fine with that. Thank you. Thanks, Mr. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Just a quick question. Do we, based on the purchase price um, that they're trying to sell it for, do we have an idea what that means per household just on that without doing any renovation? It's part of the work that we'll do, um, obviously, in preparing for the meeting, um, preparing for warrant committee deliberations. We've already received some questions about debt related. So um, based on, we already have some preliminary debt schedules that will enable us to create that number and share that with folks to give folks a range of what the anticipated increase related to this would be. Okay, thank you. Any other questions or comments by board members? We do have a related motion. Before us. Mr. Chair, I make a motion, Mr. Chair, to, um, okay. Mm -hmm. Do we have a motion on this? Yes. What number is it? Uh, it's under um, item number six. Uh, Mike, do you have it handy to help Richard? No, I'm going to move. I'm going to, well, I'm going to read it. I'm just reading on the item six what I have, which is um, I'm going to move to approve the purchase of Fompon Convent located at 930 Brook Road, Milton. There's more to that. Any one of you can add it on. You found it. Uh, Mr. Zillis. I, yeah, just, just, to, just to supplement, I think it's to approve the Warren article to purchase. Okay, the Warren article, yeah, okay. To approve Thank the you. Warren article. Thank you, Mr. Wallace. Mr. Zillis, was that an implicit second? I'll, I'll make it explicit. Second <laughs> Thank you. It has been moved and seconded. Any other questions or comments? Roll call vote, Mr. Zillis. Yes. Mr. Wells. Yes. Ms. Bradley? Yes. Ms. Musto? Yes. And Mr. Doyle? Yes. Thank you. Uh, the next sub item that we have is residential outdoor lighting bylaw. Ms. Bradley has been working on this for some time. Uh, can we turn to you, Aaron, for an update, please? Absolutely, Mr. Chair. Thank you so much. Um, so I've been working with our town attorney, Mr. Freitag, about this and trying to determine um, if it should be a town bylaw or if it should be a zoning bylaw. And we were, he was, not we, he was looking into um, whether or not the attorney general's office had any guidelines on this, um, to which he did find some um, pertaining to other cities and towns in the Commonwealth and their, uh, their determinations. What we were doing was trying to make sure that um, 
that the guidelines were wide enough so that they would encapture um, some of the the uh, lighting concerns that are currently being raised by many of our town residents. Um, and we believe that uh, by making it a zoning bylaw, it will in fact encompass that. So, so what we are planning now is to withdraw it for the special town meeting. Um, it will go to the planning board and go through the zoning uh, zoning process, bylaw process. I believe Mr. Zawinski um, is already aware of this. Mr. Freitag has had conversations with him and I will follow up later this week with him regarding that. Um, and so we're looking forward to having it be on the May town meeting. I did say to Mr. Freitag that we wanted to make sure that um, if this was passed at the May town meeting that it would be implemented as soon as possible as there are many residents that have contacted me about their concerns as this keeps being pushed off. Um, and so the um, I, I will assure them that if this gets passed in May that we just need to wait for the Attorney General's office to sign off on it and then it will be implemented immediately and we will um, begin to take action on uh, this new bylaw. So hopefully it will be passed on, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Did you want to invite any comment from uh, Mr. Freitag on this? Or? If he would like to, yes. I would love to have a comment from him if he would like to. But he, he I, yeah, whatever if he would like doesn't, to. it's all right. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Kevin has unmuted himself, so he does want to make a comment. <laughs> no, only, good evening, Mr. Chair. Only to say that I have nothing else to add to what uh, Member Bradley <laughs> That's probably impossible, <laughs> isn't it? Thank you both very, very much. We look forward Thank to this for the annual town meeting. Our next matter of business under this item is the closure of the warrant. And we have a motion to that effect. Does somebody wish to move that motion? Make a motion to close the warrant. The special town meeting scheduled for Monday, February 13th, 2023. Is there a second to Mr. Walls' motion? I'll second that. Thank you, Ms. Marston. It is moved and seconded. Any discussion or comment? Seeing none, roll call vote. Mr. Zulis? Yes. Mr. Wells? Yes. Ms. Bradley? Yes. Ms. Musto? Yes. And Mr. Doyle, yes. Thank you. We'll move on to item number seven, which is a discussion of the uh, select board articles for the annual town meeting that to be held in the month of uh, May. Um, and this is just to see um, at this time, and we may carry it forward for our, our next um, meeting, is whether or not there might be um, any articles on anybody's mind uh, beyond those that are annually recurring articles. And maybe Nick, I don't know if you have it handy. Um, the schedule for uh, the annual town meeting. Is that something you could refresh everyone on? Uh, well, I think the the I don't have it in front of me, but I can pull it. But the main date that uh, should be in everybody's mind is that the warrant is scheduled to close on January 11th, which is next Wednesday at the end of business um, when town hall closes at 5 p.m. So that's a, the warrant for the annual town meeting closes uh, Wednesday, January 11th at 5 p.m. Thank you for that. Anything anybody else has? We'll turn to item number eight. 
Uh, we have a no place for hate proclamation to be read Monday, January 16th, uh, in Mr. honor of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, it was in your materials. Mr. Chair, I move to approve the no place for hate. I move to, to approve the no place for hate proclamation on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for January 16, 2023. Thank you, Mr. Wells. Is there a second, please? I'll second. Thank you, Ms. Musto. It's moved and seconded. Any discussion or comment? Seeing none, roll call vote. Mr. Zulis? Yes. Mr. Wells? Yes. Ms. Bradley? Yes. Ms. Musto? Yes. And Mr. Doyle? Yes. Thank you. <clears throat> At this time, we turn to agenda item number nine, which is a discussion and an update on the animal shelter a progress report on the site, and um, Mr. Milano, we will call on uh, our Director of uh, Planning and Community Development, will we not? Sure, Mr. Zawinski is here to provide a brief update, um, and he is joining us now. Great. And, um, and I know Mr. Wells will um, pick up the conversation after Tim. Thank you. Great. Uh, hi, everybody. Can you hear me? Tim, we can. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I thank you for having me, Mr. Chair. Um, again, my name is Tim Zerwinski. I'm the Director of Planning and Community Development, um, and I, I also staff the Animal Shelter Advisory Committee. Um, the, the most recent uh, action that the Select Board has taken um, on this project, I, I believe, was the approval of a contract with our new uh, project manager, um, Hill International. Um, that was a firm that was recommended by our Animal Shelter Advisory Committee after a um, RFQ process. Um, Hill is uh, a, a very reputable firm. Um, they have experience with both animal shelter projects, managing the, the Quincy project that's going on right across the border, um, and also projects with um, that, that use modular construction, um, which as, as everyone hopefully is uh, familiar with is, is a construction method that the advisory committee uh, decided to pursue after we went out to bid for general contractor bids last oh God, December of 21. Um, and those bids came back uh, just significantly above uh, any, any reasonable budget. Um, so the committee has been hard at work trying to figure out ways to, um, you know, to trim the cost of this project. Um, modular construction is one means of doing that um, and, and, and bringing on a new project manager with, um, with, with the sort of expertise to facilitate that has been important. Um, town meeting at, um, at the annual town meeting in 2022 approved uh, capital funding of $700,000 to do site work um, at the animal shelter site, which is um, at the end of the uh, dump access road. Um, again, as, as folks are probably familiar with being a former quarry, um, it is a ledge heavy uh, site. Um, and we, uh, as a committee, suspected that um, a, a major driver of, of those bids that came in very high uh, was site work costs. And so um, the town stepping up and, and providing that funding to uh, cover what we hope will be um, most, if not all, of the site work costs um, is again going to um, you know drive the other costs of that that project down, um, and and the other thing that we've been working on is um, it, really trying to um, 
maximize the efficiency of the program of the building. Um, when we first started off this process, we were talking about a 5,000 or up to a 5,100 square foot building. Uh, working with the advisory committee and the Milton Animal League, which is um, ultimately the, the funder of this project, um, we've been able to get down to around a 4,100 square foot building, um, which you know every square foot counts when, when you're trying to reduce construction costs in this way. So um, Hill International, our project manager, is in the process of developing um, an, RF, an RFP for, um, for modular contractors. Um, we're hoping to have that finalized this month, ready to go out on the street um, end of January, early February. Um, and, um, you know, to be able to get those bids in to, to see if we can uh, get a project that's within the budget that we have um, uh, for the project. So um, that's the update for now. Um, the, there's uh, there's going to be a future um, agenda item, hopefully. Um, with some housekeeping uh, measures that we need to take with our architect, um, just amending our contract with RFA, um, Rauhaus Friedenfeld Associates, uh, which has been our project architect from the beginning, um, just to sort of get their contract in line with the, the modular nature of the construction process. So um, it's a slight preview of coming attractions. And then, um, you know, the next big step will be, um, you know, approving that RFP when it's ready to go. So. Um, that's what I've got for now. Uh, one question, uh, Tim, do you have any idea when that additional information will be forthcoming? Um, so we have, I've been working with town council and with um, RFA on that contract amendment. Um, and it's really just a matter of the advisory committee uh, reviewing it and, and taking a vote. So um, that'll hopefully happen next week and that'll be ready to go for, for your next scheduled meeting. January 18th. Okay, so we'll have it on that agenda. Thank you. Um, any questions of Mrs. Sawinski before we turn to Mr. Wells? Again, thank you, Tim. Uh, Richard, do you recognize? We left out half the story. Um, so thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, for full disclosure, you know, this has been a project that has languished for 10 years, Tim, at least 10 years. I think that, um, eight, generously. At eight. It, it started as a, you know, a million dollar product, 1.5, two, two and a half, three, 3.5, and a little bit came in 5.9. So, um, for full disclosure and, and, and from an ethics point of view, I actually reached out to the ethics commission this week because I'm not even sure what I would disclose here because I, I am one of the trustees who was of the Copa Foundation who was one of the significant donors. But this is a grant that was voted eight years ago, which is three years before I ever joined the board. But that's never happened because they've never gotten anywhere, except that the price has gone up and gone up. Um, ironically, a few, about a month ago, Nick, when did we first talk? How, I don't even know how long you've been in. About a month ago, I received communication from a member of the Milton Animal League. Um, and it, it involved a presentation that had been given to the to, our, to the committee that Mr. Zawinski staffs over a year ago about a proposal from the Animal League to remove the town from this process completely because one of the issues that drives the cost in this is not so much the site is that as long as it's a town project, 
30B is involved, and it just mounts and mounts and mounts. And I truly, and if there's anyone who wants to disagree with me, and I've talked to everyone from committee members now to the former project manager to Tim to Nick, Mike Dennehy, um, if anyone thinks it's going to come in less than $5 million, then as a town project, then they're dreaming. But you can keep talking about it. In the meantime, we have an animal shelter that sat in its current location for 44 years. That a good tenant and I, my members and colleagues, and I, I think, I don't know if you've gone yet, Nick, I asked you a month ago, like, you need to go and see this. Because to say I wouldn't put my dog there is, is really an understatement. And it's no fault to them. It's what, what we have left them working with. But the proposal from the Animal League, there are two new leaders in the Animal League that I, I consider very, I only have talked to one of them. They're very bright. One is, is um, Mindy Davaloff, who for the past eight years has been Governor Baker's number two deputy chief of staff. A very well-versed person in operational aspects of getting things done in the municipal world. And the second is Susie Ann Phillips, who's an attorney with Mitzlev. Those two have been kind of taken um, what has been floundering and started to move it forward. And their proposal, which went to the committee a year ago to be forwarded to us, and it was from her phone call, asked me what I thought of it. I'm like, we never saw this proposal, never made it here, was that um, the top, that they build the new site on the existing site. And I think, Nick, you've seen, I think we have copies of just a, a historical thing and a little bit of a proposal, is that what they would propose to do is take the town out of it completely. Um, take an acre of the land at the existing site and donate it to the Milton Animal League, take our $700,000 out of it and let them build it as a nonprofit entity. In turn, take 4.7 acres. How much do we have on uh, the dump road, Nick? Um, Tim, is it 4.7 acres? Take the 4.7 acres off of the dump road where the animal shelter has wound up and make that, convert that to an affordable housing project to be put forth, managed, and RFP by the town. One of the things that when they said that to me, that kind of just hearing it, knowing what we're doing here is that we've got one proposal coming for that road already. Now here's a second one that would automatically have access. And it would also, second would be a project that the town could develop an RFP for. And put the third thing is that historically, you know, the, the AG's office has not said yes to anything in there, but the one thing that I found, and I think I sent this to you, to you Nick, going back to 1980, that they approved that animal shelter on that site. And it's actually listed, as I showed to you, Nick, on the, as part of the entity of that four acres that currently sits there, part of the Governor Stone four acres of the wood. So I'm, I'm not going to talk any more about it at this point, but what I've asked Arthur and Nick is that on the, we're going to do this on the 10th office to have them come and present this to us um, and listen to their silence because I really do believe, and, and no disrespect to Tim, and Tim, you inherited this from Bill Clark, um, if we continue on the existing town path that we're going on with the town building this, this is never going to happen. And then if 
the building falls down as, as it is probably going to do in sometime not too distant future the winters we're having we're then going to be really really in a bind so um that's a lot that's a lot of it there but the, they ask, their proposal makes a lot of sense they've done a lot of homework with it um they've been to decam i believe the mayor actually already talked to the attorney general's office um i think probably the smartest thing for us to do is to have them come before us on the 10th and listen to um how they view this as far as moving forward did i surmise it all right there uh, nick and, and just for the record mr zawinski is fully aware of this he's met with them he didn't tell us this tonight but everything that i just said he has heard as well um mr wallace a question if i may as we proceed um have has this been presented to the animal shelter committee they are with the those two uh members of the oh you mean I, I, that's what i'm saying this proposal that we got that yes. memo what's the animals advisory committee a year ago to be given to us okay. and my first communication with her i did not know this woman um, my first communication with her was if we had ever seen it i'm like seen what and then when i looked at it and thought about it i I think Nick, you were the first person I called and ran it by. Okay, so questions for uh, Mr. Zulus and Mr. Zulinski on this topic. Ms. Bradley. <clears throat> Mr. Wells, you kept saying they and them multiple times. Who are they and them? So they uh, would be the, mostly I was referring to the members of the Milton Animal League. Now, and just before so not the attorneys. History, no, no. The only so this attorney has that nothing to do with is, the attorneys. No. Nope. <clears throat> okay. This came directly from them, and um, although Kevin is aware of it, I do believe Nick. We did send this. Kevin Freitag does have this. He's aware of it. Um, that was and, one of the first things I said was that we should send this. Let him hear this. See what he thought of it. And by this, you mean that one sheet of paper That's that just, we received yeah. in our packet? But I think if you listen to them which is why I asked Arthur to put them on the 10th, listen to their proposal. I think it makes a, a but lot But we don't sense. have their proposal in the packet. All we have is that one page document, correct? Yes, yes. Right. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I did talk to one of the members, as you know, Arthur, I, I did talk to one of the members of the animal committee. I thought he was the chair, but he's not the chair, but one of the long-term members. Um, and he, he likes the idea. He, he found, found to be a very valuable idea. Um, so it's definitely something um, both strategically and legally that I think that it warrants us looking at. It would be one acre of the existing four, which would be, it would go in where the existing shelter is. And then the remainder of the four acres could still be, could still rehab the house that are there. But I, I, I've seen nothing now in not just my time on this board, but in the, more than eight years, Tim, it's probably was three years leading up to the eight years that it started. Um, for the board's recollection, this board took a vote probably around 2009 to erect a brand new animal shelter in the existing DPW on 629. And that project sat there until where it was going to be targeted until the poultry sale took place. And that's how it's changed locations. 
um, we have this uh, as an item to be added to the Governor Stoughton meeting that will be forthcoming on January 10, as you referenced. Um, and um, I wanted to uh, see if we could ask Mr. Freitag if there was anything that he recommends that be added for consideration at this time. And then I'll turn to Mr. Zulinski. Kevin, you heard the, uh, thank you for rejoining us. You heard the references to the legal um, relationship here. And I wondered if you had any uh, comments or advice in that regard at this time. Or if it's too no, no, I don't. If there is a, a written proposal um, that is to be presented at the select board at its, it, it, at its next meeting, if that's what the select board decides to do, if I could get a copy of that before the meeting, I'd be happy to review it and then provide any comments I had at the meeting. Thank you, Mr. Fete. Mr. Shea? Yes, Mr. Awesome. So just one question for Kevin. When we did talk, Kevin, we talked about, one of the things that Kevin and I had talked about was how did the, what happened, you know, what was the agreement that allowed the town to build the animal shelter there in 1980? In what documentation? And uh, did you receive that historical document there? And, and I don't know who authored that. Do you? Do you have any idea who authored that? Or had you ever seen that before? I had never seen it before. I do not know who authored it. I mean, it definitely looks like something that was drawn by an attorney. It's, it's, a, it's a legal document. But one of the key things that I noticed in it is going into the diagram, um, it looks like it was something down around, down around that time in 1980. It, it notes 1980, the addition of the animal shelter, but you can see when you blow it up that it's actually drawn in on the map of the four acres of the gun stone there. Yeah, I've taken a look at the document a couple times. It, it One of the things it talks about is that before 1980, there was a dog pound that was in one of the buildings up there. And then in 1980, the dog pound was relocated either within one of the buildings or to a separate building and renamed the Milton Animal Shelter. That seems to be the, the most that I can glean from that document regarding the existence of the animal shelter at that location. It's unclear to me, at least at this point, how long that dog pound was in existence at that location before 1980. So the building that it's in now was built in 1980, that I know. The building that it was in prior to that was in the basement of the barn that no longer exists that right. collapsed. Yep. So the question, one of the questions that Kevin and I talked about was what was the process that got the attorney general in 1980 to allow us? Well, and, and that's I think, how I found that, that's how I got that document. I think one of the things you and I discussed too, uh, Richard, was um, is there any document that we have that evidences right. Attorney General's office ever having approved of the the dog pound or the animal shelter at that location. And I haven't seen that yet either. Right. And that's something we're going to have to look for in our records because if it is, it's in that vault, Nick. It wouldn't. That's how far back it goes. It's, you're talking 44 years. And I don't know if everybody on the select board has the document that's being referenced. It's a rather lengthy history. There's, there's a lengthy history and there's an abbreviated history. 
of the Governor's certain property. Um, does this sound familiar to everybody? Uh, I don't know if other members have seen it. I can tell by no, they're definitely not. And I, I just got it. Can we get that around to everybody, please? Yes, and I actually, um, just today, I, I found a uh, high, higher quality version. Um, so I, I can distribute that today. It's just the, it's essentially the inventory form of the animal shelter property. Um, so it's, it's something that would have been prepared if somebody was submitting it to the National Register of Historic Places. So um, I, I just was able to come across it today. It was dated as received to the Historical Commission in 09. Um, so it's just inventorying what was there um, at the time and, and providing some history um, and context. So I was planning to include it as part of the packet for the trustees next week. Um, well, I'll distribute it separately um, tonight or tomorrow and then include it as well as in the packet for next Tuesday. Thank you. Mr. Chair, just one more point. Nick, I, I, I do think it might be prudent to take a look on that vault. There has to be some file somewhere there. I mean, we've got 44 years of history, bills, improvements, changes, as I said to, to Kevin, and that's only from my own memory as a kid who was in the basement of the barn first, and um, Sergeant George Dillon, who was the first animal control officer, actually moved his family into the main house. So he kind of did two, he was a full-time police officer and a part-time animal control officer, but the, the shelter was in the basement of that barn before we erected the building where it currently is, it's sat for 44 years. But there has to be something in there. Kevin's right. I just, um, I think going back into John, it was John Cronin who, who negotiated it, and Bob O'Leary was town council. There has to be something in there. I think we'll make Kevin's job a lot easier in this, as I can tell by looking at his face here. I saw Tim Zewinski's hand up a moment ago, and then yours, Aaron. Uh, Tim, do you have any comment that you wanted to make at this time? Yeah, I, I just wanted, I, I've been kind of going through, because uh, so um, Mindy Darbeloff and, and Susan Phillips um, have, have been involved in, um, in, in real, well, it's not recent anymore. They've been coming for, for at least a year, and, and Susan is actually now a member of the advisory committee, um, but, but have, have discussed this alternative plan at a meeting. I don't recall any presentation materials. I'm just going through my inbox. I don't have anything. I do have an email. Um, exchange that um, Katie Conlon and Melinda Collins were um, were involved in, uh, obviously now former select board members. So, um, you know, in terms of you know that proposal not getting to the select board, um, it, it's you know maybe not through formal channels. Um, but but you know one thing, and and as as trustees of the Governor Stoughton Trust, you'll, you'll all probably have a, a very detailed discussion about this next week, but. You know, th these are issues that we talked about, you know, in, in 2015, 2016, during the site selection process. And, and my understanding, you know, from the very beginning has been, you know, relative to the, the public nature of the project that because the animal control officer is required to have a facility um, that we couldn't just, you know, because this is an idea that's been floating around for quite some time that if, you know, the Animal League or, or someone else could build, you know, a, a shelter and then gift it to the town to fill that public purpose. Um, my understanding um, from discussions with town council at the time was that that would be seen as an end around around 30B and that we would need to go through a public procurement process. Um, 
you know, and 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 the other thing relative to the Governor Stoughton site is is again that you know, and 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 you all are are in the thick of it and have been for a long time, that the 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 mission of the Governor Stoughton Trust would prevent a, a non pour of Milton related use on the site. And so this is these are all discussions that went on during the site selection process when when the Animal Shelter Advisory Committee was first um, you know assembled back in in 2015 2016. So which is not to say that there's not a possibility or even um, you know wisdom in 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 pursuing the Governor Stoughton site. I just wanted to sort of explain kind of why the committee has been continuing to focus on the dump access road site. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's not an ideal site from a physical standpoint, um, but at the time when it was selected, it was the best option that had a, a, a realistic and feasible chance of of not being tied up in in kind of legal considerations for for all that time. So, I think it's definitely something worth looking into um, and and figuring out. You know, understanding the history of how. The animal shelter got there in the first place, um, you know, because obviously it's not, you know, it's not necessarily directly related to the poor of Milton. Um, so, you know, having a better understanding of, of how it got there, um, I think will definitely be very helpful. Um, I think, again, from a physical perspective, um, it, it would be much easier to build a building there <laughs> than on top of the, the former quarry site. Um, but I, I just, you know, my, my understanding of the legal issues has has been, you know, we, we've got to go through a 30B public process, and the Governor Stoughton site was kind of out of consideration. So um, if, if we could figure something out, I think that would be great. Um, but that's just an explanation of why the committee has been kind of pursuing the path it's pursuing for the, the past several years. Thank you, Tim. Mr. Wells? I just reiterate, Mr. Chair. I think it'd be prudent on the board to listen to these two. I think that, as, as Nick knows, um, they've done a lot of homework. They've talked to a lot of aid, more than anybody has, and they, including us, including Tim, including the committee. Um, I, I was skeptical as anything when I first heard it, and the more that I sat and listened to her, I thought to myself, this is a woman who knows what she's talking about. Because again, going back to what I said before, going, and I just had a conversation with the outgoing project manager who talked to me the other day about it. I'm truly skeptical that the path that this committee is, and it's nothing against them, it's just where they're in and what they're at is going to be in a cost prohibitive manner that it will never happen. So, um, and I've been involved in this for more than eight years, Tim. So, just a thought. So, I think, I, again, I don't want to believe, let's move on. I didn't want to talk about tonight, as I said to Arthur, let's just bring them in, hear from them, and then discuss it at that point. Yeah, and, and if I, and, and Mr. Chair, if I can just add, I, I don't disagree with Member Wells on this either. Um, I, I think you should definitely hear these two out. Um, they, 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 they have compelling arguments, and, and if, if, if there's a way to kind of navigate you know those legal issues that we've been wrestling with, and I think it's it's definitely worth looking into. So I don't I don't want to appear like I'm contradicting Richard or anything like that. I definitely think it's worth you know looking into. I'm just you know trying to trying to set the stage for 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 why we've been pursuing what we've been pursuing. Thank you, Ms. Bradley. Your hand had been up, and then it came down. It did, Mr. Chair. If, if we're going to discuss this at another meeting, I can save my comments for okay. for that. It just seems like this is an end run around and. Um, I'm not sure that that's 
something the town wants to do, but I'm willing and, and if you would like to have them come and present to us, I will list them with open ears. Thank you. So um, we're talking about uh, the January 10 meeting, which is the Governor's Stoughton Trust. Did I hear also that you would like to have them present to at a select board meeting with a specific proposal? No, the 10th is fine. Thank you. Okay. Just wanted to clarify that. Uh, anybody else? Any further comments? If not, we'll add um, item number 10, which is the fiscal year 2024 budget. That was more of a, a placeholder in case there was something uh, to be reported out at this particular point in time. Unless somebody does, we can just uh, pass this forward to our meeting on the 18th. Do I see anybody who wants to address this particular topic? Not seeing anybody, we'll go to item number 11, discussion approval, Mass DOT response to the Town of Milton letter, uh, the proposed project at Route 28 Randolph Avenue in Chickatawit Road. Uh, Mr. Milano, can we turn to you, please? Sure. So at the last meeting, um, the select board had asked that I, I reach out to them and see if I uh, could make contact and get an update on when we should expect a response. Just a tough time of year. I was unable to do so. Uh, no fault of anybody at Mass DOT uh, with the Christmas holiday, the week between Christmas and New Year's. Um, I think it's just poor timing to do so. So um, I have not. I do not have an update for the select board today. Um, if you would like to move to a formal letter, I'm happy to put something together um, at this point. Um, I'll defer it to the board. Uh, would it make sense to have a draft for the January 18th meeting? I can do that. Others, would that be agreeable? That's okay. fine, Mr. Chair, I'm fine with that. Let's move in that direction. Thank you. Item number 12, discussion approval, equity and justice for all. Mr. Chair, Mr. Mr. Zulis. I'm sorry, Mr. Zulis. Just, just one thought uh, sure. in that we, sh we, should, we should put something in with respect to a deadline or a requested deadline so we can have some sense of when we're going to get a response to that. As we did in the last letter, absolutely. That's an imperative. I concur entirely. Thank you. Item number 12, discussion approval, equity and justice for all advisory committee report mailing to town meeting members. Mr. Zulis has uh, prepared a, a draft. Um, we've uh, reviewed it together and we have it. Um, he has it before you. Mr. Zulis, can I turn to you? Uh, sure. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. I was commissioned with uh, putting together the draft and so I put together the draft. So, um, uh, this really factual uh, statements about the about the report some taken from the report just in terms of uh, what the committee focused on and what the committee reviewed uh, and then just some factual statements about the timing and what is being presented so that's what the letter really consists of thank you mr chair any comments it was uh, very clear and i reflect i believe very reflective of prior conversations. And we wanted to uh, have this uh, landing um, this month. 
and uh, daily um, to town meeting members at the time of the Martin Luther King uh, holiday. Is that correct? Uh, Mr. Waldo, I see your hand. So my only question is, I don't want to believe, it seems now that the moderator is pretty clear that he does not want to do this. That's a separate letter, Mr. Um, Wells. This one is the one that would transmit it uh, to the town meeting members, which the moderator said. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Really communication. It's like what we might want to consider doing. Okay, we have a, a motion on the floor uh, to approve the transmittal letter. I'll second that if it's not seconded. Okay. Consider it made and seconded. Any discussion? Mr. Zulis? Yes. Mr. Wells? Yes. Ms. Bradley? Yes. Ms. Musto? Yes. Mr. Doyle? Yes. Uh, we also have um, letter to the town moderator requesting permission for the Equity and Justice for All Committee to make a presentation on their report at the special town meeting in February. We do not have such letter before us this evening. We received uh, today a communication from um, uh, the moderator, uh, Mr. Hiss. Um, I have not um, had time to really wrap my mind around all of this. I would like to suggest if it's agreeable to all that we defer this to the January 18th meeting. Mr. Chair. Mr. Wells. Just one point, maybe might make this easier. Um, I don't know if you're comfortable with some, it might be prudent of you and he to have a conversation. I'll file a motion to the 18th, maybe you and he have a conversation about his position now before we, and then I'd be happy to hear what you come back and suggest to us in the 18th. Would you be amenable to that? I'd be happy to do so. We also have the option of inviting the moderator to join us on the 18th. I'm fine. I, I think I'm fine with it either way, but I, I think it might be prudent just given the relationship that needs to exist between both us and he, that maybe he was chairing he had a conversation before we get to the 18th. And, he, and, I, and I know you're chair, I'd say if anyone was chair, if I would say that too, I guess. That's just, okay. just, that's just my opinion on it. Any other thoughts from other members? Okay, are we agreed to defer? Uh, Ms. Bradley. Sorry, Mr. Chair, I just want to let you know that I will not be here at that meeting um, and that I am of the opinion that the uh, that the Equity and Justice for All Committee should be allowed to speak at the um, at the special town meeting. So I know that I won't be here for that vote or any conversation about it, but I would just like for you and other members of the committee to know where I stand on that. So thank you. Thank you for weighing in. Okay, so we'll have this on the agenda for January 18th. And I will be happy to speak with the uh, moderator. Our next agenda item, uh, I think we return to uh, uh, you, Nick. Um, this would be for the uh, post-employment benefit policy. Okay. Uh, sure, Mr. Zulis, okay if I take her, would you like to? Okay. Mr. Doyle is in charge and I think it's great. Oh, uh, Mr. I think it's great. I think it's, I think it's great. Yeah, I just thought I'd turn it 
the uh, town oh, administrator, yeah. and then he could turn it to uh, you and or Aaron or both. <laughs> sure. She's graciously declined, so Mike, go ahead. Um, so as was um, Mr. Zulis, uh briefly discussed at our previous meeting, uh, the Select Board Finance Committee met and reviewed a draft OPEB um, policy. Um, so just in terms of the big picture, other post-employment benefits, aka OPEB, are, you know, in Milton, essentially health insurance coverage that is provided to retirees. Um, this includes both um, regular active insurance, um, insurance like full insurance plans that retirees are eligible before they reach Medicare age, at which time the town does provide um, supplemental Medicare um, options to retirees. So because um, of this cost to provide health insurance to retirees, um, who are not contributing to the system as they would as employees, um, the town has what's called an OPEB liability. So a long-term liability related to these, providing these benefits um, for many years into the future. Um, and our current um, outstanding net liability is $165 million. Um, and this policy would create a way, a mechanism for the town to start paying down that liability over the long term. The benefits of doing so and reaching full funding on this liability would be that at a future point in time, um, the town would be able to draw solely from the OPEB trust to pay for retiree health insurance rather than paying for it out of the general fund operating budget, which is something we do today. So each year in the operating budget, um, the town approves uh, money for health insurance coverage, which includes ins insurance not only for active employees, but the cost of providing um, benefits to retirees. Um, if and when an OPEB trust is fully funded, that cost would come out of the operating budget each year. Um, it's approximately between three and a half and four and a half million dollars um, of annual um, health insurance costs. So the policy is taken from um, the standard template that the Massachusetts Department of Revenue Division of Local Services provides to cities and towns and they work with them on financial policies. So we, we've taken their template um, and tweaked it for Milton. Um, the key points I'll highlight in the policy are that um, it states that the town shall, um, it states that the town acknowledges that this liability is out there and that the town will make efforts to um, pay it down um, in two key ways. Beginning in fiscal 2024, the town shall have a goal of appropriating a minimum of $100,000 to the OPEB trust. Um, so that would be beginning in the fiscal 24 budget. We would uh, try to do that. That's about the target that the town has set for itself in recent years. Um, in fiscal 23, the contribution to the OPEB trust is close to the $37,000, um, It had been planned to be $100,000 until it changed towards the end of the budget process. The second piece of this is that when the town fully funds its retirement system, which is scheduled to take place um, during fiscal 26, um, the year following that, um, the town's retirement costs will drop significantly because we will no longer be paying into the pension funds to get to full funding. Um, and I'll share just briefly the, ta uh, the town's current um, funding schedule just to give a sense. So right now, um, the town, this is the town's estimate to get to full funding. Um, 
as you can tell in fiscal 27, this five and $5.6 million contribution, uh, and this is all anticipated an estimate, drops off because it is expected that the pension system would reach full funding. Um, that is a contribution that's made from the town's operating budget. So this money would be freed up to be used on um, things other than paying down the pension uh, liability. The, so the second part of the OPEB liability would be that we take um, that money and push it to the OPEB liability from the pension liability. Uh, the, the policy as drafted states that beginning in fiscal 27, after the or after the town reaches full funding on its pension system, that the town will have a goal of contributing a minimum of two and a half million dollars to um, the OPEB trust. Um, so it doesn't take that full five and a half million dollars at this time. Um, it, it's setting a minimum. Uh, the board, as we get closer to that, can certainly reevaluate and, and opt to push more money towards it. But we're setting them. The policy would set a minimum of two and a half million dollars. Um, and that would be increasing at two and a half percent to pay down that liability. And based on discussions with our actuary, um, that would get to full funding uh, in 2060. So it's certainly uh, for the long haul. Um, at, so two and a half million dollars at two and a half percent a year would get to full funding in 2060. If it was a greater amount, five million dollars, for example, it would take to 2048 to get to full funding. Um, so that I hope is not too boring for an explanation on the OPEP uh, trust and liability and this policy, but big picture is um, what will the town do once the town has reached full funding on pension liability um, after fiscal 26 and um, what amount of that money should go towards the OPEP trust uh, for the long term. And um, the policy as drafted recommends a minimum two and a half million dollars increasing at two and a half percent a year um, for discussion purposes. And I'll um, certainly let anybody else add any color comments. Very thorough and uh, a very, very good history, as well as an outline of the direction planned for some time now in the town. Uh, Mike, did you want to join in? Uh, and then we'll go to Richard. Yeah, just two quick points. One, uh, uh, Mr. Chair, this is the financially prudent uh, action to take. Um, and uh, as a result of the financially prudent actions the town has taken over the last six years, we've been able to maintain a AAA bond rating, which is the highest bond rating. Um, the rating bond rating agencies with whom Mr. Milano is meeting on the 8th, 19th or the 20th after our next meeting uh, may choose to look favorably on this financially prudent action in deciding our bond rating going forward. And so, um, the uh, finance subcommittee has voted to support this uh, this policy. We think it's a finan again a financially prudent thing to do, and and that it will help the town. Thank you, Mr. Chair. You're welcome, Mr. Wells. You're muted, Richard. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I'm probably going to abstain because I am a retiree, although I'm already in the system. But but um, just one question. I agree with Michael 100 percent on this. I mean, this is something I've been hearing about. You go, this isn't brought up a town meeting going back 10 years, even more than 10 years. Um, the teachers go into GIC automatically. Do you, do we incur that for them as well? So teachers in the Commonwealth are required when they retire to go into the GIC. Do we incur that aspect of the GIC? Or is, how's that paid? Is that included in this? 
I'll follow up with you on that piece, but any any benefit that the town pays um, after retirement that's not your actual pension would be covered by this OPEP trust. So okay. if the town's paying a, a share of any premium for a retiree, then that, that is all captured and included in, in the OPEP category. Um, teachers, when they retire, are part of the Mass Teachers Retirement System. So right. if they don't touch our pension system at all, well, really anybody with a teaching license, so includes additional staffers, um, not just teachers, but um, so it's a little bit different, but any benefit that the town pays to a retiree, whether it's a health insurance premium um, or life insurance premium, it's all included in this bucket. Um, certainly health insurance is by far the biggest uh, part of that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. That was it. That was my only question because I was aware that they went into a different system. Anybody else? Seeing none, we'll go to item number four, discussion of the climate oh, action. I'm sorry. Mr. Chair, if I, if I just, just for the record, just to, if I could move to, uh, move to move the OPEP policy to a second reading on, on January 18th. Okay. That is a motion. Is there a second to do this motion? I'll second that. Thank you, because we do have to go through the policy process on this. So it has been seconded by Ms. Bradley. Any questions for the discussion? Seeing none, Ms. Mazoulis. Yes. Mr. Wells. Upstairs. Ms. Bradley. Yes. Ms. Musta. Yes. Mr. Doyle, yes. Thanks, Mike. Item number 14 is the discussion of a climate action planning committee. Um, we have before us a robust uh, charge for planning action, a climate planning action committee. It's uh, come significantly through uh, a period of time. And uh, Mike, would you like to introduce this? We're, the plan is to uh, discuss it tonight and have it on the agenda again on January 18th, following input from members of the select board and others. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, uh, and the, the draft that you have is a draft that has been taken from uh, some of the elements of, um, of similar committees in other municipalities with uh, input from members of um, Sustainable Milton, with input from our um, uh, Director of Eco Economic Planning and Development, Mr. Zawinski, our Assistant Planning Director, Mr. Lee, our Environmental Coordinator, Ms. Patel, um, and um, I think that's the input that we re we've received. So, um, Mr. Chair, Master's Law Chapter 21N commits the Commonwealth to limit greenhouse gas emissions to at least 50% of the 1990 baseline by 2030, 75% of that amount by 2040 and to net zero emissions, which means that carbon emissions produced do not exceed those removed from the environment by 2050. Milton has no plan to get there. Um, Milton has no structure to develop a plan to get there. Uh, many other committee, many other communities do. Uh, many other committees, communities have for several years. Uh, Milton is behind on this issue, um, particularly uh, those who, those other communities who've 
had similar committees and plans, particularly our communities that have a waterfront front that is um, could be inordinately affected by climate change, like Milton. Milton needs a plan to reduce greenhouse gas emissions to lessen the effects of climate change. Now, why do we need a plan? Well, we need a plan to bring us into alignment with the state law, Chapter 21. Um, we need to we need a plan to ensure that we can take full advantage of the federal and state programs and funding of opportunities that are becoming available. Uh, so, how do we get a plan? <laughs> well, uh, we get a plan by we by establishing a, a committee uh, that is charged with developing a plan. And, um, Mr. Chair, um, both the Climate Action Plan and a Climate Action Planning Committee. Um, are long overdue in Milton, and it is time for this board to take action on climate change. Um, and the draft is for consideration and hopefully for uh, a vote uh, the next time we meet. Thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr. Zulis. Any comments or questions of Mr. Zulis, please? Uh, Ms. Busto. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. I have a question um, and a comment. First comment is I appreciate the previous um, speakers that came to speak about this. And obviously, it sounds like Mike has done some work on this. I'm a little disappointed that I got this at 3 o'clock this afternoon, and I'm expected today to offer some input into it. So I would say that I want to have a chance to read it more. I'm not saying that the merits aren't there and it's good, but I, have, I haven't been able to read it. I just got it at three. And so I really wish in the future that these would be sent earlier so that I could review them and the other members could review them. Um, and I think that's very important. So I really would hope that in the future that would happen. Thank you. Thank you. And that's exactly why it's coming back uh, on the 18th so that there would be time between now and then for members to forward comments, questions, et cetera, uh, to Mr. Suggestions to Mr. Zulis, and uh, that would be entertaining further uh, discussion at that time. So good point. Mr. Wells. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Well, now I know I was getting emails today. <laughs> As I, I call Mr. Milano, I'm like, is Mike Zulis writing? Is there something going on that I don't know about? They're already getting emails from residents. So. I hear you, Roxanne, but um, clearly, you know, this is something that um, is important, not just to us, it's important to our children, my grandchildren. Um, I did call you today, Nick, because at least from a municipal side, and this policy doesn't mention it, but, um, you know, we've done a lot on our side from the inside, you know, everything from charging stations to electric cars to, LED streetlights, converting all municipal buildings to LEDs. I mean, Bill Ritchie, Bill Clark got so many grants over the years from our municipal level, green credits that we were, I think at one point we signed them off to others. So my, my only comment is that um, hopefully that will Nick or, or whoever, Tim will weigh in on this um, moving forward. I'm, I'm I would, I would, Roxanne, I would like to know about it, but I'm fine with the next meeting moving forward. So um, I get it. I mean, it's something we hear about and read about every day. Um, and and I, I do too want to recognize, even though not that some people say nothing, but I do want to recognize, you know, 
organizations like NEFRA, um, former Senator Bill Golden, Save Harbor, all of those, all the work they've done. And only reason he mentions you mentioned coastal communities like this so far ahead of us because they see it another way. And sometimes people don't think of us as a coastal community, but if you stood on the Royce Smith bridges I did last week and watched where an 11 foot five, 11 foot and a half tide did to the Neponset River, we were the Neponset Lake. We had no banks last week. So um, I get enough on that. I was very pleased to hear Mr. Sumos mention the coastal area. I sent him a photograph last week. I don't know if you got it, Mike, of a Canada goose walking or swimming down a flooded boat yard. Oh, I believe it. Right. Um, Mr. Keenan has also been asked to um, uh, present the draft to the Conservation Commission for their review and uh, hopefully uh, their endorsement. Um, Ms. Bradley, and then I'll come back. I have a couple of suggestions that I can't pass along at this time. Ms. Bradley? Thank you, Mr. Chair. If I could ask you um, to put this on as one of the last items on the agenda on the 18th, um, so that there might be a possibility that I could be back and um, my classes actually get out earlier this, this next semester, so um, I might be able to make it and make the vote and be recorded. And I would appreciate that if we could make it um, one of the last items on the agenda. We'd be happy to do so. Thank you. Um, Mr. Chair, I'll make a motion to move this to second reading. I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Wallace. I'll make, a motion, I'll make a motion to move this to a second reading. I believe that's what the- This does not need a second reading right now. It doesn't, okay. No. Um, couple of suggestions, um, Mike, if I may. One, one is generic for us. Uh, when we were going through the work on the uh, youth task force, um, which yielded uh, a substantially uh, developed uh, charge. I had several people ask me what a charge is, what's the meaning of a charge, and so on down the line. Uh, there may be others out there who have similar questions. So I, I like keeping the word charge. I was wondering if we might, following the colon uh, for um, our committee charges, um, add something like statement of purpose so that people understand that's what a charge is. But I'll pass that along um, for consideration, not only here, but uh, beyond here. Um, item number one, I do have uh, two suggestions um, for consideration, recommendations for strategies, and I would insert including but not limited to greenhouse gas emission reduction, mitigating climate risk, et cetera, out to the wood energy. And then the addition, going back to what Mike was saying in his commentary, as they affect the town of Milton. And I was very, very happy to see the congruence with the, uh, uh, the state just three additional thoughts. Um, one, maybe a provision for the inclusion of uh, mention of uh, solutions and innovations. And this is going to be a long-term committee. This is going to go on well beyond my lifespan. Um, and uh, a, a thought in that regard, um, 
is just whether or not there might be a value to holding any public hearings on this topic. Again, just a, a thought. And my final um, observation, agreeing with the nine members, I was wondering if number seven could be returned to two from the additional draft in recognizing um, the importance of this in terms of town administration, that there might be one member appointed by the town administrator. So those are my initial comments. I hope there may be some value. And we'll return to this important topic on the uh, 19th and uh, we thank those people who uh, initiated. Thank Mike for picking up the ball and running with it. Sometimes when uh, you have a little bit of a yin and yang at the outside, you get a much better product than you otherwise would have realized. And we're well on our way. Mr. Chair, I'll make those changes and, uh, and recirculate the uh, draft. Thank you, Mr. Zulas. We'll turn now to item number 15, the town administrator's report. Um, Mr. Milano? Uh, I don't have much this evening. Um, I just want to wish everybody a happy new year. Uh, welcome back. Uh, a lot of people are taking time off over the past few weeks enjoying, um, enjoying their opportunity to do so. Um, I unfortunately got COVID myself, so I've, I'll be hiding out from town hall for a few more days uh, before I can return uh, masks. So look forward to getting back to work in the office when I'm able to do so. Um, I did just want to mention a couple of things um, in terms of uh, town hall staffing. I mentioned one retirement last time. We did have uh, retirement, the longtime assistant treasurer, Joyce Domecco, uh, retired in December. Um, uh, Crystal Rich, who was an employee in the building department, has been working as the assistant treasurer, um, you know, slightly before her retirement for some cross training. And then since she retired, the town has uh, rehired one position at the building department. I believe I mentioned this previously. Katina Goodridge has been working in the building department um, for several weeks now. Um, and the town clerk's office has hired one of its two positions. Um, she'll be starting in mid-January. Um, but we're still certainly looking um, for folks who, if anybody knows anybody seeking employment, um, please check our website or reach out to me directly or to Paige Eppolito, HR director, um, two positions, one in the town clerk's office um, and one in the building department. Uh, and I just wanted to make that plug as we're in a new year, maybe somebody's looking for a change and wants to come join us in the town of Milton. So thank you. Thank you, Mr. Milano. Uh, the chair has um, just two items to mention. Both were home rule petitions. Uh, the first was um, uh, Senate Bill 3127, which uh, pertained to the uh, town administrator. And uh, that was um, signed by Governor Baker on uh, the 29th of the month. It had been, uh, it had passed the Senate on October 27. It uh, finally passed the House on December 27 and was uh, signed by the governor on the 29th. It, 
um, have been held up in the House Ways and Means. Uh, the other bill that we have is um, 3124. Um, sorry, this is the one that was more held up in the House Ways and Means Committee. It had been there uh, since October 6th. It was uh, enacted by the House on the 29th. And this, by the way, is the um, act establishing speed limits on portions of Route 28 in Chickatarbot Road in the town of Milton. It was enacted by the Senate on the same date, the 29th of uh, December, and it is currently before the governor. Mr. Wells. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I stepped away for a second and I just, um, Mr. Warner, did you mention Ms. Fagan by any chance in your comments? Yikes. Wow. See, so in recovery, so, I apologize. So, yeah. so two things, Mr. Chair. First, um, I think we need to thank Anne-Marie Fagan who came back to us at a time when we never saw it, we didn't expect it, it was very quick. And uh, she stepped quickly back into her role um, and it was a seamless for both the exit of Mr. Dennehy as it was for the entrance of Mr. Milano. And I think on behalf of this board that uh, we all owe her a debt of gratitude um, for what she has done for us over the past weeks and months. Secondly, I think that uh, tomorrow is a historic day for our community. We are about to inaugurate the first female governor, elected governor of the Commonwealth in Maura Haley and her Lieutenant Governor Kim Driscoll, and I think that on behalf of all of us, um, it perhaps it may be prudent for us to send a letter signed by the board, um, just walking them and looking forward to working. Um, as we know from some current delegations, I think us having a relationship um, with the executive branch is very important. Um, I do know Mara Haley personally, and then I think she'll do a great job for the, for the Commonwealth. And, um, and I do think too that perhaps, um, I don't know how we should do this going back to Anne-Marie, whether we have a quick coffee hour or something in the office one morning, I, I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe some of the other members might have an idea, but she really did provide a, a saintly, a, a, a saintly role for us. I mean, she just, as you know, Mr. G, you worked with her every day. Uh, Anne-Marie came back and really did us this town a great service over the past month. So just a um, thought, and however you want to lead with that, I, that's I'm fine. Well, let me do that and then go to Ms. Bradley, if I may. Um, as she was extraordinary, willing to come out of retirement, uh, to step in in an interim role after Nick uh, joined us. Uh, she was willing to stay on and assist in any way that she could. Uh, that's now completed. Uh, and as she uh, left, she said she'd be willing to volunteer to help the town of Milton in any way possible. That's extraordinary. What would you think, Mr. Wells, of a resolution from the uh, select board? Uh, something that we could uh, extend to her as a physical memorialization that she could then uh, have as a permanent possession, probably in a nice place of visibility so that she and her family and others would uh, know of our appreciation for her service. I found that the my only call was, I, I think Nikki should look in her folder and make sure that the, I was, 
I, jo I came back to the board a year after she left. I just want to make sure there isn't one already in there. Because if there is, maybe we do something different. If there is, if there isn't, then that I'd, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Okay. So we can follow up on the 18th. Sure. Thank you, Ms. Bradley, and then Ms. Musto. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I just wanted to add a little addendum onto what uh, Member Wells was saying. Not only is Maura Haley the first female governor of our elected governor of our Commonwealth, she's the first openly gay woman elected in the entire country. So um, I just wanted to put that out there as well as something that is, once again, Massachusetts being the first of something that is so wonderful for our country to be moving forward with um, embracing of all folks and all um, all people in the nation. So I just wanted to add that as a piece to his. Can I borrow a moment of your time, Roxanne, for just a moment? I think Richard mentioned swearing in is tomorrow. I think it's uh, Thursday the 5th. Is that correct? Thursday morning. The first Thursday after the first Wednesday, there's a very convoluted Massachusetts formula for the swearing inauguration of the governor. That it is uh, Thursday morning. In any event, close at hand. And Richard, you had uh, suggested that um, something be prepared in the way of a communication from the select board to the incoming governor. Is just a short, a short congratulatory letter. Just you know, she Would did you come like here. Crack at that. I'll do that. I'll be glad to do it. I'll be, and I'll send it to Nick, and then he can send it around. It'll be short, sweet. Just she'd probably appreciate that. She will. Ms. Vesto. Um, thank you. Like my motto has always been brevity, um, mm. you know, clarity, charity, so on down the line. Ms. Vesto. Um, yes, thank you. I just want to take this opportunity to also thank Anne Marie for her service. Quite a remarkable story. For someone who worked her way up through the ranks at Town Hall into that position. Um, so I give her a lot of credit. She really worked hard and a lot of relationships with people. And I um, was so happy to see her come back to help out when we really needed help. So I did want to thank her for that. Also wondering if there's a way to reach out to um, our state senator and our reps and see if there's a way to give her some kind of a citation um, that they could prepare for her. I think that would be special. Um, so I just wonder if Mr. Milano is able to do that. I think that would be really great. And I do have something very separate that has nothing to do with that. But um, I was wondering if it would be possible for us when we have our select board meetings and we get our packets that, and I know we had talked about this at one point, that we could post some of those materials so that if the public wanted to um, read up or comment on anything, um, for citizens speak, they would have some of the information ahead of time, you know, and um, in the spirit of transparency, I think that would be a good thing to do. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our future meeting dates, uh, they're itemized as uh, January 10th for the meeting of the Governor Stoughton Trustees. Um, we plan to have that as a meeting per se. If we have other select board business, we can add it uh, to that meeting. There may be something in the offing. Uh, then, of course, our re next regularly scheduled select board meeting on the 18th. Then we move into February 7, um, and then Monday, February 13. Ms. Buster, your hand is still up. Did you have something additionally to add? 
Okay, thank you. The 13th, Mr. Chair, is town meeting, correct? Special town meeting? That's correct. So at this time, uh, we will be moving into executive session uh, to consider the purchase exchange lease of value of real property located at 930 Brook Road Front Pond Convent. I'll read the, uh, the motion. I move to enter into executive session to consider the purchase exchange lease of value of real property located at 930 Brook Road Front Pond Convent, Sisters of St. Joseph, based upon my belief that discussion of this matter in open session may have a detrimental effect on the negotiating position of the select board. The select board will not return to open session. We will adjourn from executive session. Second. And the um, next, okay, seconded. And, second uh, one, yeah. Any discussion? We have to vote on an individual basis. Seeing none, Mr. Zulis? Yes. Mr. Wells? Yes. Mr. Rowley? Yes. Musto and Mr. Doyle, yes. Yes. Uh, the second is executive session pursuant to Massachusetts General Law, Chapter 38, Paragraph 21, Subsection A3, um, to discuss strategy with respect to litigation against the Massachusetts Bay Transit Authority regarding the condition of the stairs located at the MBTA station located at Adams Street, Milton, Mass. I move to enter into an executive session to discuss litigation strategy against the Massachusetts Bay Transit Authority, MBTA, related to the condition of the stairs at the MBTA station located at Adams Street, Milton, Mass, based on my belief that discussion of this matter in open session may have a detrimental effect on the litigating position of the select board. Again, to reiterate, the select board will be adjourning from executive session and not returning to open session. Is there a second, please? Second. Thank you, Mr. Wells. Moved and seconded. Seeing no hands, Mr. Zulis. Yes. Who else? Yes. Ms. Bradley? Yes. Ms. Mostow? Yes. And Mr. Doyle? Yes. Thank you. And now, when uh, we will um, close out from this uh, Zoom and we'll be going to... Mr. Chair, we're, uh, we're going to stay right here. We'll let everybody log can't off. do that. We don't have to go to another location as earlier discussed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so we will, uh, we have some attendees. We'll ask them to uh, drop off the meeting. Is that happening? 